When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live on Facebook, my name is Dan Murphy, and joining me today is a slightly bleeding Simon Bukowski. It looks like you've got a bit of ketchup above your left eye, so has everything all right over there? Uh, probably. Been a busy day. Oh, well, I hope you're not too stressed in this second heat wave we've got. In each, and I see you're in the dark, you're, in, you're back in the cave, so you must be keeping nice and cool. And also with us today is Mr. Alex Brotherton. Alex, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, I think I need to take some tips from Sion. You know, getting the room nice and cool because it's a bit bright in here. Um, but yeah, yeah no, it's uh, happy to be on. Yeah, I'm going to just gradually start sweating more and more as this goes on because the sun is now on my window. So if I look like I'm drowning, I can only apologise. But lads, the Premier League is back. It's been an all-action weekend. And Si, City got off to a perfect start. A 2-0, over, 2-0 win over West Ham. You were there down in a absolutely boiling London stadium, it looked like. Uh, how was the game? Did you, other than the... Uh, the uh, roasting heat yeah I mean yeah it's uh to be honest I went down to SM in May it was the last away game of last season and it I, th- I thought it's London it's going to be warm and then it rained um but this time yeah 25 sunny lovely it felt like an afternoon for pints but obviously we were working so there was not none of that but um I think you could easily get drunk on Erling Haaland because he was just majestic intoxicating um, yes yeah um he is he, just one hell of a footballer isn't he and um you know people made a lot last week in the community shield he, he missed the glaring chance but then it was all like oh well he barely had any touches he barely completed any passes he won't work in a Guardiola team and um yeah he had the fewest touches of any City player and scored two goals so who who cares about touches when you don't need many to score a goal. Um, everything about his performance, really, other than the fact he didn't get a hat trick. But um, you know that it was a half chance, I think, more than anything. Um, but also a terrific team performance. City have been to West Ham the last two years, and they've been bullied at times in that game. And it looked like they would again in the first few minutes. And then the strategy from Guardiola was spot on and far too good for West Ham and Moyes, who didn't have any answers. Um, so City needed Haaland to sort of turn that dominance into goals, but really, really good performance um, to make a very tricky away game look pretty simple. Absolutely. We'll talk about what kind of Pep did and took uh, um, all of us, and especially West Ham by surprise, um, going off the course of the 90 minutes um, in a moment. But Alex, it was the Haaland show. He won the penalty and dispatched it brilliantly. It looks like City's a penalty woes over the last couple of years are now long behind them after that. And of course, he grabbed the second in the second half. Uh, an amazing pass from De Bruyne. And I think I think we'll be seeing this a lot throughout the course of the next year. And well, 
five years, however long his contract may be, and if he stays beyond that. But De Bruyne picking him out, splitting the defence wide open, he runs through. A man of that size shouldn't be able to move that quickly and with a quick kind of shift of his body, he just calmly slots it into the far corner with a plum and it just it feels like a cheat code and it already seems pretty inevitable hey, that Haaland will score in most games he plays this season, especially against the you're not as good defences as Liverpool and that it's going to, City are going to take some bloody stopping over the, this season, if any. Yeah, it was um, just sort of classic kind of Haaland goal, wasn't it really, that We'd be uh, people have become used to seeing him uh, score at Borussia Dortmund. You know that that ball in behind, his incredible pace. You know I I can't think of a defender in world football that is that you'd be confident could sort of keep up with him once he's he's made that move. Because I think it's with Haaland, it is just that I think it's just the, the Pep always says the sense of goal. Like last season, he was always saying like, oh, Jesus got the sense of goal, or he's not got the sense of goal, or the smell of goal. Um, and it's just in that moment before he makes the run. It's uh, just that timing of the run and that acceleration. It's just so hard to um, to keep up with. But yeah, it was. Um, I thought we saw other elements of his game as well that were really um, sort of encouraging. Like a lot's been made of, you know, he's he's a uh, perhaps he's a goal scorer, but he can't do the other things that you know maybe Sergio Aguero did or a false nine could do, such as you know dropping back and get involved in build up play. But I think he showed that he can do that. You know, there was that um, De Bruyne put the ball in the net got flagged for offside uh, from Gundogan, I think it was, um, who squared it was offside. And, and that came from a lovely um, Haaland flick just sort of around the corner. He dropped a little bit deep, flicked it onto Gundogan. And that's that's just like, you can clearly do that as well. So, you know, we've got this striker who, okay, not against every team, you know, you're not always going to have spaces to run into behind. But I think he also showed that, you know, games where there isn't necessarily the space um, afforded for him to run in behind the defence, he's still going to be able to be dangerous and make things happen for City. And I think, you know, the, there was a lot made about if was that going to happen, but I think there's still things to brush up upon, like brush up on, um, Guardiola said, and, you know, Haaland keeps, keeps saying that there's things he can improve on, but, you know, I think this was a good sort of insight into what we knew he was going to bring to City, but also what some people doubted he'd bring. But, you know, he's just really good, and he? So he's, he's clearly going to be fine. You know, so there was a bit of talk or maybe concern after the Community Shield. Not in that Haaland would be good or anything like that, but more, will will it take a bit of time maybe for City to get used to him, his runs? He's a City haven't been playing with an out-and-out proper striker properly for about two seasons now. They're more used to the centre-forward or the person operating in that zone, kind of dropping in deep, getting the ball in the midfield area and passing it onto the wingers. Whereas Haaland, he wants a lot of the time the ball played in in front, what him charging through. There was a and you know the and in that community shield there was a few times when he, he looked to be kind of galloping, ready to do that run, ready to barge through the Liverpool's defence and City instead, as they as they want to do with their patient play, opted against it. But here those kind of maybe concerns that City weren't on his wavelength were kind of blasted out of the water, especially with that second goal. Yeah, I mean fortunately readers of the Manchester Evening News and listeners to this podcast won't have heard those concerns. Um, but yeah, it was kind of useful for West. It was so good, West Ham, basically, for Haaland and for City yesterday, because they can just say, tick, got his first two goals, see you later. But the first goal was him finding space in a tight defence and sort of that nudge from Gundogan. And, you know, he didn't really have that many yards, but he made the most of them. And then the second one is him, you know, a much more expansive game because West Ham are pushing up a bit. So he's, he's kind of done done both 
um, if you will. And I mean, we spoke to De Bruyne after the game and he was asked, you know, are you going to get to like 100% wavelength with, with Haaland? And he was like, no, because nothing's perfect, but I'm going to keep getting in those positions and keep playing those balls. And um, Haaland or Alvarez is going to be on the end of them. So we'll probably score from that. And it's like, yeah. And and the other thing to to say about when Haaland went through for that second goal is you, you knew it was going to be a goal. And in past years with Sterling and Jesus and others, you've never really had that sort of certainty that, yes, they will score. Um, so that was sort of something else that felt really different and significant about yesterday. Not to kind of compare the two directly, Alex, but I, I, you know, from the small sample size we've got of Haaland playing City, how, how do you think he kind of looked compared with Aguero? I know I just said we're not going to compare him and I've just asked you to compare him. But, you know, Sai said there, like, we've not had that kind of um, assurance that, you know, if Sterling goes through or Jesus goes through, Beforehand, you maybe probably didn't think they'd score the guilt chances. But Haaland, you do now. Do you do even more so than when Aguero would be in a similar situation? It just seems like, you know, it's been a few years since we've seen Aguero, a year now since we've seen Aguero um, at his absolute peak. Um, but it feels like even Haaland's more, seems more inevitable than even Aguero did. And, you know, Aguero scored upwards of 200 odd goals for City. And it doesn't feel like it's going to be very long before Haaland is kind of catching him up. I think. Um... Yeah, I think he's more sort of clinical from the penalty spot anyway, by the looks of it. I was never a massive fan. I know he scored lots of penalties, but you know, I never I was never super confident Aguero was gonna was gonna convert from twelve yards. But um yeah, he's um he has is that feeling like with Aguero that, you know, more often than not, you do feel like he's gonna put the ball in the back of the net. Um I think probably he's obviously we've got to remember when Guardiola came in, he wasn't happy with, you know, Aguero's kind of build up ability or what he did when he didn't have the ball. Um, so I'd say maybe Haaland's probably a little bit ahead, I'd say, of where Aguero was when Guardiola came in. But Guardiola improved Aguero so much in that department that I don't think Haaland is as good at that yet as Aguero became. Um, but I mean, from what we've seen of Haaland, you know, he's obviously he's incredibly talented, but he's got the, the attitude of wanting to learn. He's um he keeps saying how how there's things he needs to improve. You know, he's he's obviously got the right character to to learn from Guardiola. Um so I think we could see him become just as good as Aguero in terms of, you know, the perfect striker for Manchester City that can score the half chances, um, that can pounce on on balls in the box, can get involved with the build up, uh, helps create other chances for others. Um so I think he has definitely brought that presence. Uh yeah, just going back to the the sort of the the certainty that he's going to finish off a chance. Like I think, yeah, that's something that they missed last season, which sounds ridiculous because City still scored you know more goals than any other team in in Europe's top five leagues. I think it's 150 in all in all competitions. But you did get the sense in the big games where you did have chances and you really needed to take them that sometimes City didn't, and it did cost them a bit in the Champions League. So um, yeah, so I think they've definitely got that kind of thing back now. And another thing we predicted on Sai Haaland is that on Haaland side is that he'd be quite a character in the uh, press conference, uh, in the interviews after the match. Didn't take long for him to start swearing at Jeff Shreves in the position that so many of us would like to be. Sometimes I reckon you know it shows so much of his character already. Just that interview, it just seems like he's just destined for absolute greatness, and it's probably the biggest talent in football since 
maybe Messi. I don't know. It just seems like the only thing that could stop him from reaching those sort of heights is a potential injury, but hopefully that'll they'll never come to that. Yeah, yeah, he's a character and um, you know, he will he he will be give good value for interviews, I think. Um he's done another another few in the in the last week and you know, said some some interesting things and then, you know, got carried away. Um I'm I'm led to believe that I think you're allowed to swear maybe in Norwegian interviews or something like that. Um, but obviously not on the sanctity of Sky Sports um super sunday but yeah i mean for for a few years or so or since harland came out broke out it's been harland and mbappe have been seen as the the generational talents to be the new ronaldo and messi because we we like to have you know new versions of everyone and compare everyone to everyone um and he's been on this incredible trajectory and it looks like well, he's made a fantastic start to it at City and there is every confidence that he will continue that trajectory. Um, you know, Kevin De Bruyne has had a fantastic year, um, calendar year, and if Belgium do well at the World Cup, you'd like to think he would have every chance of being in contention for the Ballon d'Or. But with someone like Haaland, the brand, the myths around him, um, he will be bang up for that kind of every year he's at City, you would think. Yeah, absolutely. But Alex, there was more, even though it did seem like the Haaland show, and I think it will be similar throughout the season, there was more to just Haaland in the match. As I said, it was a good team performance. And, you know, we, we kind of theorised throughout pre-season, would, would Pep experiment with his formations or um, how his tactical setups and whatnot? And though on paper there's not really been any deviation from the 4-3-3, there certainly was during the game on Sunday. Um, you know, he... he did a trick that he used to do at Bayern Munich quite a lot, especially with Philip Lahm, um, iconically, was bringing his full-backs in um, into a narrow formation. So at times, it like City were even playing like a 2-2-3-3, which is obviously pretty pretty uncommon um, in, in England. Um, how, how, talk us through what Pep was doing on the pitch with his full-backs. Yeah, well, I think one of the things we can we can take is that this season... If, if the if the lineup says four three three, it's not going to be four three three. And obviously, yeah, we saw the inverted fullbacks um, as it was sort of been termed uh, last season quite a bit um, with uh, Jao Cancelo and obviously Walker doing it a lot. Uh, and as you say, that's what we saw yesterday. And but I think this is something that's going to. It's obviously one of the sort of game plans that Guardiola can sort of, you know, pick out of his club bag. And it's going it, to, it very much depends on, you know, who they're playing, what the state of the game is. Like, you know, if City are, are chasing a game from a few, two goals down or something, it's probably going to look different than if it's nil-nil or if they're two goals up. Um, but obviously in, in yesterday's game, Guardiola knew that West Ham don't really attack down the wings too much. They are more of a sort of long ball through the centre kind of team. So that kind of meant, unlike with the Liverpool game um, in the Community Shield, there wasn't really much need to have the fullback staying, you know, out wide and kind of trying to mark down a couple of elite wingers, which is what Cancelo tried and sort of failed to do with with Salah. Um, so if you don't need them on the wings, he brings them into the midfield, almost has this double pivot of of Walker and Cancelo. And obviously Rodri was there, but sometimes he was dropping back to sort of help with Ake and Diaz or later on when it was clear that the game was kind of done, he was pushing even further forward. So, um, yeah, I think that kind of helped in a way, also helped Nathan Ake. Um, so I think, you know, it's not too controversial to say he's probably been City's best sort of defender of, of pre-season and the game so far. But of the four, 
he is probably the weakest in terms of passing and build-up play. Um, but that was kind of negated by the fact that, you know, you had Walker and Cancelo in the middle offering lots of options for him and Diaz to pass to. So I think it's a system that suits Ake. I think Ake, you won't really see the slight, not weaknesses, but, you know, you it won't really be obvious that he's not the best at passing when they've got that system going. Um, and also, yeah, there's the, the sort of the two and the two and the, the two blocks of three just meant City were meant to, were allowed to kind of overwhelm the midfield, control it completely. Um, and just, yeah, lots of options. The Grealish and Foden could stay out wide, which created space for Gundogan and De Bruyne to go in the channel. So it's um, for that game against West Ham, it was the perfect setup. But they can't do that, as we saw last week. They can't do that against a team like Liverpool that has world-class players coming from wide positions because then you will need Cancelo and Walker to be further out on the wing. Um, so, yeah, really interesting. And I'm pretty sure we'll see that kind of game plan again um, against you know teams that either go through the middle or sit off City but we're not going to see it every week So you went an even better view of it um, up in the stands at the London Stadium than we did on the telly how, how did it kind of you know Pep's tactical tweaks and whatnot how did it help City as I like to explain they really kind of control the game um, as you say West Ham have caused a few headaches for City in the past especially the last away game of last season which you know, if it weren't for the miraculous comeback against Villa, would have, you know, um, given the title to Liverpool. It was that much of a big result for in the big game, sorry. So it, West Ham are by no means any pushovers. You were quite worried about it in the preview um, last week, but it, West they didn't really, they weren't really didn't really pose much for threat at all, did they? West Ham, I would say, are in the top three or four teams in the league for sort of how they set up against City. Like, Moyes has done his homework and knows how to organise West Ham. And in, like, recent years, basically what they've done is surrendered the wings for City to attack. They've crammed the box and their final third and made the game really narrow and said, your wingers can have as much space as you like out on the wings it's up to you to break us down. And City have then been wide and West Ham have then attacked in the gaps through sort of between like fullbacks and centre-backs with uh, Bowen and Antonio and um, everyone like that. So City have been unable to break them down and they've been susceptible to counters. Um, what Guardiola did by bringing Cancelo and Walker in is basically play the game between the, the lines of the uh, the penalty areas make sort of that the the new sort of um, lines for for going out, if you will. And it meant that West Ham didn't have any space at all because they they were trying to get in the middle behind the fullbacks, but the fullbacks were already so close to the centre backs because they were in front of them pretty much that um, there was no space for Antonio and Bowen. Um, to, you know, you kind of forgot that Bowen was on the pitch, really, when he was absolutely rampant back in May. Uh, and then going forward, you know, City were able, with uh, Foden and Grealish kind of dinking those balls in. And Gundogan is so good in those tight spaces at finding those little corners and those little avenues. And I think that's really why he was picked over Bernardo um, more than anything, because no one can quite do that magic it in and around the box like him uh, and then obviously when West Ham tried to play you've got De Bruyne to uh, to pick him apart when when the spaces do appear so it, it you know it, I don't think it's going too far to say it was a masterclass uh, tactically that 
you know, acknowledge the problems that West Ham have given City and turn them on the head. And David Moyes came in afterwards and just kind of said, yeah, they, they had a plan and we had no answer. Yeah, definitely. See, it, it reminds me quite a lot of, um, I remember there was a game when he was buying Munich manager against Dortmund and it's kind of what happened with United and Brighton yesterday, actually. And Dortmund had prepared all week. Um, I, I think it was two. I think it was Tuchel, but it might have been Klopp. Um, but they were preparing his team all week to press Dort, to press Bayern really high. They were going to play it out from the back, press really high, get it to it. And with two minutes, Bayern just went right, would have booted over you then and just did long ball to Lewandowski, I presume, or Muller. And they just went through and scored. And I think they batted them like 5 0 or whatever. So, Alex, it's like, People may think, you know, Moyes did his homework last couple of years, knew how City were going to play and successfully stifled them and get got good results out of them. You know, we see Tottenham kind of do a similar thing. I presume they're up there with the teams that Sai believes are the best to play against City with probably Liverpool. No, please do. Please do indulge us. Who are the Tot- best teams to play City? Tottenham is just Tottenham, innit? They always beat City for no reason. No, right. Um, wins of fate. Liverpool, Southampton... Uh, I think that I feel was like Palace three. are pretty good. Pretty good. Palace yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Right. Well, back onto that. So get rid of Spurs. Who cares about them? But what I was trying to kind of get to is like it, Guardiola is it, he can change it up as you know he's a tactical genius as we all um, know I've seen through the years and it seems like for the first half of this season maybe he might catch a lot of teams out just from the differences from last year because with Haaland it's going to be so different to how they set up normally, how they've set up for the last couple of years. It's been a complete refresh in the squad, but it's. I feel like Guardiola might be trying to do a bit of a refresh in how City play in some instances as well. And it, it might just be a catching-up game where so many teams are, won't have enough evidence to prepare for what City may bring to them, if you get, well, get me gist. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not... I, obviously, because you know we all follow City and... And uh, and whatnot, like we obviously know this isn't isn't true, but I always feel that among you know like sort of pundits that don't particularly like don't necessarily follow City that closely, there seems to be this assumption that you know City always play the same way. So you know whenever you come up against like say last season a Palace or a Southampton, the excuses offered up were oh well you know problem with City is they play this way and they've done their homework and the other team has managed to stifle them. But, you know, it seems to throw away the idea that Guardiola can bring in changes or, you know, Guardiola, as you said, like he's a tactical genius. Like he doesn't just sit in his office the whole week, just sitting, all right, we're going to play 4-3-3. Three, three. That's that. Let's pass the ball. Like he, he he prepares much harder than probably any manager in world football. So I don't think it's necessarily surprised that, you know, he's come up with something that, David Moyes has come into it thinking City are going to play another way and City have come up, Guardiola's come in with this plan and it surprised them because that, that's just what Guardiola does. But I think there's something in the in the fact that maybe it's even more predictable how City will play in certain games because they've now got Haaland. So I think as Sai was saying before, last season and in recent times when they played West Ham, West Ham have just let City have the wings. And we saw in a few games last season, City were putting lots of crosses, but there wasn't really anyone to sort of make use of them whereas now if that kind of game happened you'd think that even then like they might have a bit more joy because they have got someone like Haaland that can you know feed off hard chance uh, half chances and, and that kind of thing so yeah I think maybe it's I wouldn't say that it's like they've got so many different options this year I think but it is just they have got a few more probably and different options maybe not more but um yeah it's just all down to 
obviously the new signings, but Guardiola first and foremost, because yeah, this is um he's just very good, isn't he? So yeah, there's only so much you can say. What I did find interesting, say is that after we kind of discussed last week about how Pep doesn't use all of his subs when he has the options, he actually did here when the game was kind of um, done and dusted. He used all five changes, bringing off Haaland and Foden and whatnot, and the the important players. How handy is that going to be for him throughout the year when you know five subs and if if games are done and dusted so early, he can bring off Haaland and you know Haaland could go throughout the season and never play in ninety minutes. And that's and likewise with the Bruyne or Foden, anyone. He's got so many. As you say, he's only got. I think Alex pointed out to it the other day. He's only got actually got 20, 20 senior members in the squad. Is it? But if City are getting blasting teams away so early and are so in control, and they can bring those players off and rest them, and no one's exerting themselves to the absolute fullest in the majority of games, it's just going to see City so well. And maybe you know, especially competing on so many fronts when. They did eventually lose a bit of steam last year, especially in the Champions League. So that five subber, I think, might benefit City more than maybe we even anticipated. Yeah, um, it's going to help them fitness-wise in that players can rest. It also plays into Guardiola's man management because he has a small, a small squad that relies on everyone being ready to play and everyone who is left on the bench feeling like they can contribute from the bench. Uh, so there's going to be more occasions now where he's going to give players on the bench however many minutes to say, go on, prove me why you should have started. And then if they do, then great. If they don't, then he can turn around to them and say, well, that's why you're not starting again. So it's it, it is very good for City. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of get that it does benefit City and obviously they've got like better players on the bench than others. But also I would be, you know, they're only one or two injuries away from not being able to fill the, fill the bench. Um, so they should they should have five options. Um, and like you say, if they're winning comfortably, then they can, they can use them all. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised also if we see plenty of times where they don't actually fill the bench. Mm-hmm. Well, with any luck, the you know, the, the, the less minutes that everyone could play because of the five subs will mean there won't be a situation whereas last year they had, you know, towards the end of the year, they had the walking wounded basically with Laporte playing on through pain and they were so threadbare at the back and loads of kids on the bench who hardly played. Hopefully, we won't have a scenario like that this year. But, you know, that was City's first game of the season, a comfortable two, well, not even comfortable, yeah, comfortable. They, you know, they really did well against West Ham, a game that usually isn't comfortable. Um, a solid start to the season, and it was a it was an exciting weekend um, throughout uh, the country, Alex. And the big result that kind of sticks out for City is that Liverpool surprisingly dropped points. Now, obviously, City lost on the first day of last season. What happens on the first day is by no means kind of sealing their fate or anything like that. But in a you know when the, these two teams are pushing themselves so much and have such a high bar, and Liverpool especially are having to push themselves to their absolute limit, and still last year. Um, it wasn't enough to catch City. I feel it does feel like already drop points could be a bit significant going forward. Like just the 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 the, the gaps, the the margin of error is so thin for these two teams with the, such the, the the level they're playing at. That even now Klopp didn't, you know, he, he was reeling out the excuses as as he's wont to do. Um, I don't think anyone could blame him for kind of giving his team an out. 
Um, it's not like they played particularly badly or anything. They hit the bar twice, I believe, and easily could have won the match. But being held by Fulham, a team, everyone, uh, at least the majority of people thought, may think we'd go straight back down, Premier League new boys. Um, it's certainly not not the best start for them, is it? Yeah, it's of course it's not the ideal start, but yeah, as you said, it's the first game and obviously City City looked absolutely miles off the pace in the first game last season and obviously we all know what happened, but yeah, I, I watched uh, most of the Liverpool-Fulham game and Liverpool weren't perhaps at their sort of clinical best or, um, you, know, you know, they probably gave Fulham too much, too many opportunities, too much space to, to sort of play in than, than Klopp would have liked, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure, that like the other sort of uh, recent tight seasons between City and Liverpool, they're both going to have periods where they drop points here and there and then both will probably go on crazy winning runs at some point. And yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I, I, it's obviously they've, they've had a few changes themselves. They've got the uh, sold Sadio Mane and brought in Darwin Nunez um, and a few other faces. But I think we should probably give them a bit longer before we um, kind of, try and assess where they're at in comparison to City. And yeah, I guess I'm going to go with the classic Pep answer and we'll just, it's it's game by game. We'll take it as it comes and focus on uh, on what City do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even, you know, despite the drop points, uh, Darwin looks like some player as well. I know kind of Haaland's kind of really stolen the headlines over the weekend, thanks to his two goals. But Darwin got on the score sheet as well and set up the first equaliser, I believe. He looks like a right handful, someone... In, in a similar kind of mould to Haaland, where he's kind of a, a big number nine coming into a team that had usually didn't use one. And he just seems like an absolute handful. He definitely changed the game back. You know, he swung the momentum back into Liverpool's favour in that match. And I think the, the story of the season does feel like it's going to be Haaland Nunes who can fire their team to glory, sort of. Yeah, yeah, he certainly looks sharp and, and shown what he can do. It's another option. Um and sort of an option that Liverpool didn't really have in the past compared to City, whereas City had kind of six forwards where they could say, you're all fighting for three places, show what you can do. Liverpool were kind of wedded to their three, whereas now they've got, they sort of, you know, started doing that with, with Jota, obviously, and then Luis Diaz and now Nunez. So there's there's plenty to go at for them. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to give him his due, Klopp didn't make any bones about the fact that his team were nowhere near the level he wanted them to be at and um, you know that was disappointing for them you know you would look at a trip to Fulham and think that is three points so that's that's where the disappointment will be for Liverpool they drop points that they would not have expected to drop and nobody else would have expected them to drop Um, and City have got a very sort of comfortable start so you know unless they drop points unexpectedly you're going to be playing playing catch up um you know i think someone said uh said yesterday like that's that's united behind city again for the whole season now it's it's one of those liverpool will be much closer um and make it a title race but they are they are behind and as much as it can be overblown like it is also in in the minds of of players whether you're behind or ahead yeah, definitely. It's certainly going to be exhausted if he chases City throughout the year once again. I mean, you know, City definitely certainly do have a bit more of a comfortable run, but with United playing, sorry, with Liverpool playing United, maybe might be quite comfortable for them given what we've seen on Sunday. But, you know, City, as you say there, so si, do have a fairly um, 
these, you, you know, you couldn't really ask for a much better opening few fixtures. And next, what they've got, Alex, um, is the first home game of the season is at home to newcomers of Bournemouth. Um, they surprisingly won, or maybe not, depending on how highly you rate Stephen Gerrard. Uh, they beat Villa 2-0 on their first game of the season. But it's a team that seems very similar to the one that kind of went down um, a couple of years ago. Um, a lot of the same faces and they haven't strengthened that much. And, you know, you look at the defence they're kind of deploying. I think Haaland's going to score about eight goals against Barnsley. I think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, defensively, they don't look perhaps the best team. I, I don't think any of the teams that have come up are particularly strong at the back. But, you know, they're a decent team that, that sort of like to play football. They're not a sort of a hoof it and hope kind of kind of outfit. Um, yeah, I think um, so they should provide a little bit of a test perhaps. But, you know, you would expect City to, um, you know, get at least clock up a few goals. And I think Haaland... I think for a newly promoted side uh, with defenders that are, you know, getting back into the swing of kind of playing next level attackers in the Premier League, I think Haaland should just prove too much for them to handle. So I'd probably expect a fairly comfortable City win. Yeah, so it certainly feels like a game where Guardiola will come out afterwards and really praise Scott Parker for how he sets his team up just after he's absolutely slapped them for about seven goals or so. But um, how do you see the match going? Do you see any changes or anything like that? Well, I mean, it's interesting because Scott Parker was obviously full of manager when they were last in the league, and City played them at home, and I think they scored. I think they were two 0 up within about seven or eight minutes, and it was like, yeah, this is a, this is a bloodbath. Um, and then Fulham really tightened up, and I think it finished two 0 and you know Scott Parker deserved a lot of praise really for the way he set them up defensively. And so, you know, I was thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to be a big City win probably. But clean sheet on the opening day against uh, admittedly not very good Aston Villa. Parker's got previous against Pep. You know, Guardiola's a manager he, he very much admires and has, has looked to take things from. So I think Bournemouth could be trickier than people think. Um, it's just going to be sort of how how quickly they can get that that breakthrough and sort of take absolute control of the game. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll certainly see what happens next weekend as the Premier League rolls on and we'll have it all covered right here on the Talking City podcast. We'll be back next week talking about the match and looking forward to the next one, which I believe is away to Newcastle. And of course, we'll have it all, all the match, all the, the, you know, the remainder of the transfer window, which is still clogging along, no updates on anything significant so far, unfortunately. We can't have Sai talking about left-backs because... He's just, he's just sick of them, absolutely sick of them. But we'll certainly have any developments over on the Manchester Evening News.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. You can follow us on Twitter at Man City MEN and you can get us at Facebook at uh, the Manchester Evening News, Manchester City Facebook page. Thank you all very much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Goodbye for now. Till then.